What's up, everybody? You're listening to the Fanalist.pod. Sean Mertrana here with you, joined by Rohan Naranjan on yet another NFL podcast. I guess today's a tad bit weirder because we are the two lone wolves on this pod. You know, we're always joined by a third person. Um, you know, usually we have Yash for the NBA podcast consistently, but NFL is always on a week-to-week basis. But I guess, you know, it is what it is. Yeah, I mean, Sean, today's a little bit different, but, uh, you know, just me and you. But it's going to be a good part regardless. Obviously, it's nice to have a third person for a little analysis. But, you know, we're always here. things up. Yeah, exactly. I mean, we're always here, though, too. Solid rock. So we're always giving you guys content. Of course, of course. I mean, obviously, speaking with you before this podcast started, I feel like we're going to have some discrepancies here on our game picks because, you know, you have something to say. I got some other things to say. So that's good. At least we're we're at a difference of opinion over there. But before getting into that, um, you know, exactly a week ago is when we, you know, had a little bit of trade talk discussion and stuff. And it's perfect that we do these podcasts on Tuesdays because trade deadline just passed. It's Tuesday. And of course, yesterday, you know, Von Miller was the biggest trade, but we are going to get back to that. I think a bigger storyline is the stuff about Odell Beckham Jr. and Deshaun Watson. Yeah, I mean, who do you want to start off with? I mean, who do you, you pick? You pick. Who, who do you uh, want to go well, with? I think let's start off with Odell because I think we talked mm-hmm. about Deshaun earlier. Um, you know, last week, obviously, that, that situation has been evolving for a while. But regarding Odell, I think it's been known for a while that, you know, he there's been rumors that he's been unhappy in Cleveland. Cleveland's been unhappy with him. Obviously, he got hurt last season, and that kind of ruined whatever could have been last season, especially since the Browns were just clicking at such a right time, you know, going into the playoffs. They look probably the best they've been in the last, I'd say, ever since we've been born. Um, you know, it's been like 15, 20 years ever since the Browns have been relevant. But again, this season, they've kind of fallen back into mediocrity. Baker Mayfield hasn't looked as good. And, you know, his dad, Odell Beckham Sr., even posted, I don't know if you saw, posted a video. Yeah, I did, I did. uh, Of, like, a YouTube video showing where Baker Mayfield has been, like, overthrowing receivers and Odell has been wide open, you know, basically calling for his son to be traded. Um, And Odell's been liking tweets left and right, too. You know, it's, it's, I think it's no secret that there's definitely some tension between him and the team. But I think... In, in the Browns case, I think they were just like, you know, he's too valuable of a receiver. I don't, I honestly don't know if I believe this, but they think he's too valuable of a receiver to just give away for like a third round pick or something like that, you know? So I, yeah, I mean, I, I agree with them though. I do agree. But the, what, what pisses me off about it is, is like, I mean, I, I've been trying to think of analogies all day for what Odell Beckham Jr. is, you know, but I guess the most relevant one I could do in a sports related context is like, you know, for, for all those guys, you know, that, you know, we all play fantasy football for the most part. And you know, when you're like, when you got, let's just say your team has like, you went wide receiver heavy. All right. Let's just say you have like a DK Metcalf, Devonte Adams. And I, I don't even know, like you got like Kyle Pitts and someone else. All right. My point is that you got all these, all these guys that you're putting in starting every single week and Odell Beckham Jr. sitting on your bench. Now another team comes in and they're their best wide receivers, like a chase Claypool. They're like, Hey, I want to trade for Odell Beckham Jr. You have him on your team. I'd like him. And your whole reasoning is, yeah, I'm not going to use him, but I just don't want you to have him. So that I think that's really what's happening in real life over here. I mean, it's strange because I feel like they're not targeting him as much as they want to. You know, obviously, I feel like even in the games that he's played this season, only one game was where he was like really heavily targeted by Baker Mayfield, or it was just like Odell running routes and Baker not even looking at him, 
or the yeah. times he looked at him, it was just overthrows, you know? So I don't know what's going on in Cleveland because I feel like this whole relationship from the start has just been soured out. Um, oh, yeah. Obviously, the, injure, the injury definitely, like, screwed things up even more last year. But I just feel like either chemistry-wise, whatever it is, it's just not working out between between him and the team. And he ended up not getting traded before the deadline, so he's going to remain around for at least until the offseason. But yeah. it's something to look into for sure. No, certainly. And I think that something that was really, really weird that I saw was a report from Mike Florio of Pro Football Talk. And he was saying that, yeah, the Browns might not trade Ola Beckham Jr. like today. But tomorrow, what's really crazy is that hypothetically, they could release him and they're relieved of all financial, like caps is everything. Like they, they let him go completely. And but like what's also pissing me off about Odo Beckham Jr. though is I, I saw like these insane stats from just this season. He has zero touchdowns. He has a career low 38.7 yards per game. He has a career low 2.8 catches per game. He has a career low 5.7 targets per game. His longest play in the last two seasons as a Brown is a run. And I vividly remember that because I was a touchdown run against the Cowboys that, yeah. you know, like it, it was, it was a crazy game, but that, that, that's actually his longest plays around the last two seasons. And he is coming off his worst career game with one target, one catch and six yards on Sunday. So I'm in, I, I, I don't know what to say. Yeah. I mean, that just, it just shows, you know, the drop off from how he was back in New York. Obviously there's been a lot of things which have changed since then, but I think, Honestly, Baker Mayfield is a good enough quarterback to where you have a receiver like Odell and you can't screw it up. You know, there's no excuse. I agree. Um, but I don't know. Maybe Odell has just fallen off. I don't really know what it is. I don't want to say that just because I still do believe in his talent, but I don't I think it's tough. It's very tough for me to even call him like a top 15 wide receiver at this point, just because his stats are so poor. But you know, that could all change yeah. if he goes to another team. But that's the story for another day because he didn't get traded. Yeah, and I mean, like, what was crazy about the trade deadline was, like, you know, the Saints were one of the teams, actually, that were in discussions with the Browns, like, in the closing hours of the trade deadline, which it was a report that emerged, like, just shortly after the trade deadline. I was like, I was like, wow, you know, they were trying to bring him home, you know, to New Orleans. Um, I don't know how it would have fit in the New Orleans system, but quite frankly, at this point in time, it's like, it's like anywhere but, like. Yeah. No, I mean, you're definitely right. I think uh, New Orleans would have been an interesting fit just because, you know, Michael Thomas is still coming back from the injury, whatever it is. So I think that, you know, now that, with, you know, with Jameis being hurt as well, being done for the season, I don't know if New Orleans would have been the best place for him, especially because he seems like in a win now mentality. But it's very, it's for sure interesting that they called on him, um, you know, during the deadline. But for yeah, now and be moved. I mean, definitely. But it just comes down to like, you know, anywhere but, Cleveland at that point in time and like I feel like we've said that about guys like you know Ben Simmons in the NBA and like I mean now that you mentioned of course like Deshaun Watson in Houston like it's just just move him like get out of there but I think Deshaun Watson's situation is just as close to Ben Simmons in the NBA right now yeah I mean it's weird because we were saying that you know Miami owner has already signed off on the deal he's ready to have it happen but I think it's just the legal issues honestly for Deshaun and what you know I heard that uh he's getting closer to having settlements with, you know, the victims or whatever it is. So I think they're waiting on that because if he does settle, then it's going to be a lot easier for them. Once the trade happens, they're not going to have to go through anything with the league. There'll be no legal implications. Like Goodell won't have to put him on the exempt list, but I think they were so hesitant to do the deal just because they don't know the implications yet. And 
if Goodell especially would put him on the exempt list, which could, you know, postpone his return to the NFL for another even like year or so, you know, it'd be that crazy. So obviously Deshaun is another case where I really thought he was going to be traded before the deadline, but I guess the legal issues are just too hard to overcome uh, for, for Miami. Yeah, no, I think that that that's what held the trade back basically like for Deshaun. Like, I think that it was kind of on him if he could deal with his legal issues. But at the same time, I think that if, even if he tried to do a little something here and there and there was any headway being made, the Texans probably just started demanding a little bit more. And maybe Miami was not willing to offer that much, but I'm not sure about that. But what um, I've also been hearing is that Deshaun Watson basically – or sorry, not Deshaun Watson, but the, the Dolphins owner, Stephen Ross, he had the chance to call Deshaun Watson last night. That's the only time that they gave him permission to speak to Watson. But my whole thing is like, what, what's the point in doing that? Like, what are you going to talk about? Like, you're obviously yeah. not going to have a trade fall through. Right. I guess it was just more about to seeing if how close he was to resolving his issues legally, um, especially since the report came out that he's leaning towards the settlement. Uh, but I guess it just it's just a very complicated, intricate process. And I think Deshaun is just on the fence of whether he wants to go to trial to fight these or just pay off the victims, get it settled and just get back into the league. But I, I think there's a lot of things that we don't know behind the scenes, which are continually delaying this trade. It's just very frustrating. just as an NFL fan too. Cause you're like, when is this dude even, is he even going to play? You know, I just want some answers. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I, I totally get him. The league is better with, you know, Deshaun in it, like rightfully so. Um, but I guess one of the moves that we weren't expecting was Von Miller. I think that that was like, that was a huge blockbuster trade. Like I, it was actually pretty crazy because I mean, obviously, you know, you know that I'm, I'm like the only one that's running the panel's page. I was in class and I sit like first seat front row and my phone just starts blowing up and I'm like, Oh, oh God, I, I need to, I need to post. <laughs> like, I need to get out of class. Like I told me to show I'm like, Hey, uh, could I, could I go use the bathroom or whatever? He's like, yeah, you're, you're fine. <laughs> I'm like, okay, cool. And then I got out and just started tweeting. I'm like, I'm like just processing the news, just like you guys. But um, I mean, I, I still can't believe it though. Quite frankly, like the fact that Aaron Donald, Jalen Ramsey, Von Miller, and I mean, Leonard Floyd, even, I think that's a name worth mentioning on the defensive line. Like they all are on the same team. And that's just, that's just not fair, man. Like this is literally a super team like forming in the NFL. No, literally. I think uh, it's kind of honestly admirable how the Rams front office just doesn't give a shit about draft picks. They honestly have traded so many draft picks away in the last, what is it? Two, three seasons where they have honestly, they're just like, you know, screw the draft. We're not used to, we're not going to build our team through, you know, these young players. We're going to be aggressive and acquire talent you know, and give up draft picks because I feel in the NFL it's so different than the NBA too. It's just, I think draft picks, especially passing the third, fourth round, they're just not really as valuable as, you know, maybe a first round draft pick is in the NBA, obviously, you know? Yeah. So, you know, the, the trade was for a 2022 20, second round pick and a 2022 third round pick. You could say Von Miller, he's like, what, 32 years old now. And people were saying last season that he's washed, whatever it is, but I think he still looks pretty good. He looks pretty great. He's had a lot of I think he's, he's, he's top 10 in pressures for defensive ends right now. So this is a great trade for the Rams. Um, I really like the way that their front office is operating because, you know, a lot of times in the draft, you don't hit on picks past the first, second round. Even in the first round, you, you can miss completely. 
So when you know a player like Von Miller, who's probably going to be a Hall of Famer, an established defensive end can come to your team and you just have to get a second and a third round pick, I would do that deal any day as well. So props to the Rams. This is a huge move for them. No, man, I totally agree with you in terms of like if someone is a proven talent, you know, like especially in the NFL, like it's it's a little bit different in the NBA to, you know, try and pry someone like a like a Von Miller caliber guy. I mean, you know, just trying to put things into perspective because you're not going to like just randomly, you know, wake up one day and be like, hey, you know, could could we get Kyrie Irving? Like or like, you know, is, is James Harden available? Because like it kind of goes to show like the player needs to be mad. They need they want to have want to have out and the team wants to also mutually do that. The the bittersweet part about Denver was that Von Miller had no prejudice towards the team and Denver had nothing towards him either. And it was just kind of like, you know, business is business. They communicated with Von Miller throughout the entire process, kept things quiet, kept things behind closed doors, um, like any player and team would want. That's why, you know, this trade really shocked everyone when it happened. And on top of that, in terms of what you were saying about the Rams, like, you know, not having draft picks and stuff, they've been doing this since 2016, if you remember. With Jared Goff, they, they traded away, what, three first-round picks to move up to the number one pick in 2016 to get him. Um, obviously, again, the NFL draft is hit or miss. I'm not going to say Jared Goff was a bust. He doesn't look great at all. But I think under Sean McVay, I mean, given the fact that they went to the Super Bowl together, I'm, uh, he's a bust as a number one pick, but I'm saying that if it, let's be real, like if Jared Goff was still on the Rams, like we're not going to blatantly say he's a bust just because of how he's been playing lately in the last like year and a half, I'd say the second half of the Rams season. And then, you know, now with the lions, like, yeah, you know, he's not, he's looks like a bust, but a lot his of early like, years. Yeah. I, I mean, know. a lot of it was Sean McVay's scheme and Todd Gurley just being Todd Gurley for those. percent. But I mean, you know, I'm not going to say Jared Goff is like an unplayable quarterback. I think he can still very well start in the league, but you know, that's just a different conversation. I mean, that may soon may come to an end I mean, just based on how he's playing. <laughs> I, I, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't blame you for thinking that, but um, again, you know, back, back to Miller, like what's absurd was that since 2011, Von Miller, since he was drafted, he has the most sacks in the NFL since he entered the league at 110.5 sacks. And then Aaron Donald, since he was drafted by the Rams in 2014, he has the most sacks in the NFL since he entered the league at 90.5. So he's closing in on that 100 mark. Miller's already, you know, surpassed that. So I think that it's it's just absurd. I don't know how teams are going to be, you know, double teaming Aaron Donald when you have Von Miller just jumping the line, coming off the edge. And then again, like this is why I'm mentioning Leonard Floyd. Because Leonard Floyd is coming off a career season where he had 10 and a half sacks, I believe, last year. And it's just it's absurd to see where they're going to, you know, where they can, you know, line up these guys. So they can get very, very creative with the defense. And on top of that, too, the back end, the secondary, they're just going to thrive because of how good the defensive line is. Exactly. Exactly. I think, you know, if you if you if you told me like a couple of years ago, like Aaron Donald, Von Miller on the same team. I'd be like, you know, this is like, this has to be like a haul to get Von Miller, you know? If you told me that, if you told me that on last week's pod, I would have laughed at you too. So, you know, I mean, they barely even gave anything up and they're getting a star, you know, star defensive end, you know, like you said, has the most sacks in the NFL since 2011, I believe you said. So that's a pretty Mm -hmm. crazy stat, honestly. And now you're pairing him with Aaron Donald, who, I would say is like safely probably the best defensive player in the league. Maybe Miles Garrett comes in right next to him. You know, oh, yeah. it's, a, it's a pretty, I think you could, you call it a toss up, but 
he's been rated 99 on Madden for like four straight years for a reason. You know, there's there's yeah. a reason for Andrew But it's yeah. just gonna be defensive dominance for the Rams who are already looking great, especially offensively with Stafford as well. I think it's just taking them to a whole new level, um, especially under Sean McVay. We know how good Sean McVay is as well. So I think now it's I don't know. It's it, I still don't buy the Cardinals as a contender. I don't know why. And now, no, no I don't. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, <No. laughs> Kyler is hurt for maybe a couple of weeks. It's hard to say. So the Rams could maybe make a push these next couple of weeks and take over the division. I don't even think it's a maybe. Like they, they should win the division. It's just a matter of seeding at the top because I'm not going to guarantee this team's a top three seed. You know, maybe, maybe as a three. Or maybe possibly the two. I'm just not going to give them the one just yet because, you know, my Packers are there. But we'll, we'll loop around to that in just a second. But um, one other thing that I did want to mention um, in terms of the Miller sweepstakes and stuff was that apparently the Cowboys and the Bills were in on talks for um, Miller. And it was the Rams that came up with the best offer. And um, there was a little something to the Rams offer. They were originally going to stick with like around a fifth or a fourth somewhere in that range um, because Miller is in a contract season getting paid a lot. And, you know, he's probably going to jump ship in the off season. They just had no guarantees, but apparently they talked with Miller. They felt good about everything felt great about the situation. Denver said they're going to absorb most of this year's salary, which is again, his last year in contract. And the reason that um, the Rams went so high with their picks, the second and a third round pick is because they hope to be signing him to a new contract. Um, next offseason so that's definitely something to monitor um, down the stretch because you know you guys guys like you know Cooper Cup maybe getting a new deal Daryl Henderson as well Um, Jalen Ramsey Aaron Donald if they want money it's you know there's there's only so many guys so like it's it's kind of when I say stuff like that it kind of reminds me of like the Warriors when they had that one basketball like there's just one basketball so it's the same thing I know the cap space is just such a meme for the Rams, like people always, you know, they're like, where are they getting all this money from? But I think it's, it's gonna, it's gonna start kicking in in about like a season or two. And that's why I believe that this team's going all in because they know that their Super Bowl window is literally just a season or two. And it's pretty crazy because the Super Bowl this year is in Los Angeles. So they're trying to become the second ever NFL team to host a Super Bowl following the Buccaneers who did it for the first time in a hundred and what one years of football history. So. Yeah, no, that would be, that would be crazy to see. Know, two teams back to back hosting a Super Bowl in their hometown. That would be absolutely insane. I think that the Rams have every shot to do it. I think that the NFC, honestly, I'd say both conferences are, are pretty wide open. Uh, and the Rams, like now with this move, I would put them over the top over a lot of teams. I know the Cowboys will look great offensively, but I just don't know if they can win a playoff game against, you know, you, we always say defense wins championships, especially right. in the NFL, especially in the NFL. So, yeah. This is a very big move, and we're going to see the you know if the fruits of the labor work out uh, come playoff time, whenever that is. No, hundred percent, and of course, you know this week they got a matchup against the Titans on Sunday night. You know what? Hopefully, it is a debut for Von Miller. He'll be debuting in prime time, which would be pretty pretty crazy. But it's looking like a lopsided matchup. You know, I mean, no Derrick Henry. He's possibly out for the season. Um, there's a chance that he does return if the Titans do make play the playoffs you know they make a playoff push i still think that they are going to win the division because you know now they've swept the colts and the colts were like the only true threat in the afc south um it really doesn't matter what happens in the division anymore um as long as the titans can just rack up wins and keep in mind they also do have tiebreaker 
over the Chiefs and the Bills, which is huge. And, you know, they got all that stuff out of the way with Henry healthy. So now that he's not healthy, I think they just need to be literally good enough to just win games, make the playoffs, and then hope, hope he makes a return. Yeah, I mean, it sucks when I heard about the news. Obviously, this I feel like this season just been so dominated by injuries a lot of the times. And, uh, you know, they're saying six to ten weeks estimated recovery. Like you said, Sean, he might be able to come back for the playoffs. Obviously, I hope so. I was, you know, we were all talking about him as a possible MVP in last week's podcast. It sucks that he probably he's not going to win it now, especially with the injury. But uh, going on to the game, you know, I was weird. Obviously, we were talking before recording. And I was like, you know, this could be a possible trap game for the Rams. Like maybe like too much confidence coming in. You're like, you're like, oh my God, we don't have to game plan for Derrick Henry, whatever it is. Adrian Peterson is questionable. You know, they did sign him just a couple of days. Was, was it yesterday? Um, and yep. uh, so he's not sure if he's going to play in the game, but you know, all day AP, I, I don't know if he's not the same running back. He was like 10 years ago when he had that. Yeah, I mean, he certainly isn't. Yeah. But, uh, I think that if the Titans can keep this to a low scoring game, they may be able to steal it away. But now that I'm thinking about it, I just don't know because AJ Brown and Julio have just been so on and off with health that I don't know if the Titans have enough weapons to match up with the Rams. So if the Titans were to win this, it would have to be like a slugfest, like a, you know, like a 17, 10 game, something very low scoring. Um, but I, it's just very hard to say that because of how Stafford has just been rolling ever since he yeah. play. Uh, but this song just sucks for the Titans. No, I think that Titans, again, that they're going to be seeing, like, a tough stretch ahead of them. Um, definitely, I think, again, I think that their goal is to, obviously, you got to go just a little bit above .500, and I think they should be fine to still make a wild card spot. They can do that for the rest of the season. Um, however, you know, just entering this matchup, I, I don't see them winning the game at all. Um, I think that the Lions game, where, um, you know, the Lions, like, kind of gave the Rams a tad bit of a scare here and there, you know, coming out with an onside kick, scoring on the first possession, you know, just doing everything that they were doing. And then, you know, the Rams, they did win the game, but I don't think that that was a celebration in the locker room, quite frankly. I think that Sean McVay was like, was like, that's not supposed to happen. Like, we're supposed to go out there and kill these type of teams. So I feel like heading into the week against this past week against Houston, he kind of, like, ran a tight ship. He doesn't care that they're playing Texans. He's like, we need to go out there and we need to like absolutely destroy them. And they did do that. They were up 38-0. And then, of course, they did get outscored, like I believe it was 21 or 23-0 towards the end. But it, again, it doesn't matter. It was just garbage time points. Um, it was still basically a lopsided victory. I think that that is what's going to happen over here as well. Um, I don't think that the Titans defense is going to be able to hold up based on their performance last week against the Colts. It's just like, how are you going to guard, you know, Robert Woods, Cooper Cup, Tyler Higby, even, you know, and then, of course, Daryl Henderson, once again, has been nothing short of phenomenal. Um, so I, I, yeah, I, I've got the Rams winning that matchup, like, by a mile. Yeah, um, but just going back to the Titans real quick, like, you know, I think that maybe they lose this weekend, but I think their real focus is they should just win as many as they can for the next seven games. I did notice that their schedule that, four of their next seven games, not including the Rams one, are against either the Texans, the Dolphins, or the Jaguars. So they really need to sweep, you know, those, at least those four teams. I think they can probably win against the Steelers, you know, 49ers, depending on how they look. I think it's very, you know, that team is very on and off. Yeah. Um, and uh, I think the Patriots too. 
Patriots. Yeah. I think that they're, I think they'll lose to this. I think they're going to lose their next two though, Rams and Saints. Despite really? obviously, yeah, we'll, we'll we'll get to, we'll get to the Saints in just a second. But I mean, I mean, or or rather, I mean, even right now, if you want to, like, I mean, of course, you know, Jameis Winston is out for the season. Um, they got Trevor Simeon out there. I mean, they had they had a huge win against against the Bucks. I think that it's very telling for this team. Like, they're never going to go away. And what's crazy is that I think that they were just a game behind the Bucks now in the in the division, which is pretty crazy. And if the Bucks somehow lose one more game, tiebreaker comes into the picture, and the Saints are going to be the number one spot in the NFC South. Yeah, no, it's pretty crazy thing about. I mean, you know, Taysom Hill is you know might play in Week Nine because he's coming off concussion protocol. But I guess I don't know if Trevor Simeon's for sure going to start. It just really sucks for Jameis. Honestly, I. I I remember in our preseason podcast, I was saying that he was going to have a big year. He said I really believe in him and his ability. I just need, he needed a coach to, you know, teach him the ropes, fix those mistakes. And I feel like maybe you can do that next season, but it's just a brutal injury. Um, but I think this season is honestly just going to now come down to Kamara and Mark Ingram. And if they can just carry this team to a playoff spot, because I don't really see quarterback play being their strong suit going forward. So I think the Bucs should still easily win this division. You know, it's hard for me to say that they're going to, you know, steal the division from them, especially now that Jameis is gone. But if Kamara can have some like MVP type resurgence in the second half, he's been, I don't know, he's not been like phenomenal, I think, but he's been pretty good. I don't know if yeah. he's not a top five like back stats right now, but he can turn up at any point. We know he can. So I think yeah. they're gonna, the game plan is going to be very heavily reliant on him going forward. And any Sean Payne team can sneak into the playoffs. So, you know, it's something That's to watch true. out for, even though Jameis is out. That's true. I mean, just because of how, you know, well coached their defense is um, the, like the Saints, the Saints always have a chance to, you know, make some kind of noise um, in the NFC. But one thing that's very, very interesting is, of course, Philip Rivers. Um, he did say that, you know, kind of maybe sort of, hey, can I maybe I'll be back in the NFL. And if I, if I do, it'll be probably the Saints. And I mean, again, I'm just, I'm kind of just paraphrasing it. What he really kind of said was, look, New Orleans has not contacted me in any kind of way, but if they were to call me, I'll listen. So I yeah. feel like, I feel like that's something that the Saints should look into because I mean, Philip Rivers is as durable as you get at quarterback. I mean, he's, he's like literally an Iron Man at quarterback. And I mean, don't get me wrong. I, I don't think that Philip Rivers is a bad quarterback. Like if he comes into the league, like, I'm going to put him in the top 20 easily already. Yeah, I don't know about that. I mean, I feel like there were days when he was definitely, you know, a top 10 quarterback. I think it's, you know, is he Hall of Famer? We, I, remember we, I think we had this discussion in the offseason. Um, but I just didn't really see it last year when he was on the Colts. I know he, they, like, dragged, you know, to a wild card spot. But I just never really thought that Phillip Rivers was, like, an elite quarterback, especially in his last couple seasons. So, and it's hard for me because I don't really have any, like, great receivers where I'm, like, you know what they can maybe carry him you know that's what i'm saying like are you saying like on the saints yeah i mean yeah i do agree with you but keep in mind michael thomas could be come back sooner than later so so like i'm i'm kind of looking at it like hey look the defense looks great offenses could just get better like it's there's there's a possibility over there so like you know 40 something year old quarterback coming mid-season learning the playbook all over again you know, how much better is he really going to be than Taysom Hill, who is, you know, I don't think is a good quarterback at all. I think he's more mm-hmm. of a magic guy. Like an athlete, and, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> but, like, I, I just I just think that, uh, you know, he knows the playbook way more. Even Trevor Simeon, you know, like, I don't want to say that these guys are 
better quarterbacks than Philip Rivers by far. No, I, I get what you're saying. At this it's point in the stage of comfortable. his career, you know, yeah. right? Um, but it's obviously an interesting storyline, something to look out for, but I wouldn't put too much, like, steam into it until we hear more news. No, totally. I mean, I, I totally get that. And the thing is, like, Sean Payton has been, like, a long, like, advocate for, like, you know, if, you know, when, when Drew Brees went down, like, you know, I believe it was, like, two or three seasons ago, um, and even, even last year too, you know, he, he went, he had an injury here and there. He really is a strong believer in sticking with his guys that are in the locker room simply because of the playbook. So, I mean, I, I totally get it. I totally get that. Um, but I guess, you know, moving on to another team, I guess we can go to your 49ers. They had a nice win, um, on Sunday. Um, I, I, I knew that they would break that. Uh, losing streak I think that you did too kind of like we felt like you know this match against the Bears last week was like like a must-win game if if you will um obviously I, I I have to bring up the Justin Fields fourth and one of it that was absurd man like I, th- I think that was one of the best highlights this weekend that I saw like from any team nah it's an insane play I mean it just shows you how good of an athlete he is honestly um but I think for the Bears it shows more about their coaching like Matt and he was out with COVID and mm-hmm. Justin Fields had a very, I want to say a very good game, but one of his best games as a rookie. I think it's his best game you because so? he had over a hundred yards rushing and around uh, 200 yards passing. I want to say like, uh, like it wasn't, it was, it was great. It was like Justin Fields. I mean, Justin Fields. Like we were like, okay, this is what we looked at. This is what we wanted from, you know, this guy coming out of Ohio state, but I think that ultimately, like, it really doesn't matter for the Bears. I think it's very telling for the 49ers, you know, moving forward that, like, yeah, like, they, 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 had, they had tough matchups and they got hit with injuries in the, in the middle. That's why they had that four-game slip. Now they could be back on track. Of course, you know, we were talking about the Cardinals. They really don't look like they're going to win the division, but they still look like a great team. Question is, are they going to be able to win uh, in Levi's? And the 49ers are still winless at home if i'm not mistaken um and last time that they played the cardinals it was 17 to 10 i think they held the cardinals to the least amount of points um that 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 game so yeah no i mean it's gonna be interesting because you know kyler may be out for this game so the line opened at i believe it was a what was it cardinals minus three Mm -hmm. um and now the niners are kind of favored i believe by a couple points so oh, wow. I think Kyler Murray may be out for this game. Might see Colt McCoy, which you know would be phenomenal for me as a <laughs> Um, but just going back to uh, the game against the Bears, you know, Jimmy G didn't look great in the first half, but you know, Trey, in fact, Trey Lance was warming up during halftime. So I thought they maybe they're gonna put him in because Jimmy really didn't look good, but I gotta give him some credit. He looked phenomenal in the second half. Um, you know, 300 total yards. 17 for 28. I think it's something to play, something about playing in your hometown, maybe spark something. Yeah. Out below. Um, Debo Samuel, honestly, like, looks like a top 10 receiver right now. He has a looks second, great. Yeah. Second most receiving yards uh, behind Cooper Cup, who, and that's with the bye. You know, I, and I yeah. saw like, this is the most um, receiving yards that a 49ers receiver has had through week eight since wow. Jerry Rice. You know, it's an insane stat. Really? Yeah. It's an what? insane stat. Since that's, I, that's really tough for me to believe but wow like wow yeah, i mean just like putting like, it into perspective now like that's that's absurd exactly i think like he's flown on flown under the radar you know for a lot of seasons just because of how bad the team is and mm-hmm. honestly like Steve samuel i don't think he's regarded as like obviously a top 
receiver in, in the league. You know, there's so many other guys, but I think it starts time to start talking about him against guys like DK Metcalf and other people in his draft class who I think honestly, like DK hasn't even looked that great this year for the most part, you know? So the thing, the thing about DK is like, like, look, like when people, but but here's the thing though, if, if people blatantly ask me who is better, Debo Samuel or DK Metcalf, like, like, I mean, I'm sorry for people that are listening to this, but I'm going to say Debo. Like that's the reality of it because he's putting up the numbers. Now, don't get me wrong. The thing about DK Metcalf is this dude is literally a freak of nature. If he, if he just is smart, like just understands game situations, like doesn't think about, you know, getting the yards. Like yeah, I've seen him so many times. I can, I can literally count the number of times that he has dropped a bubble or he's dropped a curl. And then, yeah, you come up with a 50-yard catch and a double team that's going to make the highlight reel on SportsCenter. Like, good for you. But when, you know, Seahawks fans or other, other fans, when they're really looking at these stats, like, you're not that amazing. And what, what really, really pissed me off about him this season was in the, in the Steelers game. Do you remember at the end, they were trying to get into field goal range. They threw a – it was a comeback route to DK on the sideline. He caught the ball. You catch the ball, you go out of bounds. This guy caught the ball, waited for a second, pumped up his chest and ran straight into the guy. I'm like, what are you doing? Why <laughs> do you want to get tackled in bounds? Like, do you seriously think you're going to run past two Steelers into the end zone with like right. two yards of space from the sideline? Like, it's, it's absolutely absurd. I mean, I don't know how, but the game somehow, I mean, the clock ran out technically. That's how I looked at it. Obviously, it was a controversial call. Some crazy stuff happened and the, Game went to overtime. Of course, Pittsburgh did rightfully win that game. But I mean, again, you know, getting back to Debo, another set that I saw was something like he has the most 150 plus yard receiving games this year with three. And yeah. the next closest about like, you know, it's guys at like two and one, like Cooper Cup, Devontae and stuff like that. Um, but it, it's, it's absurd. But I think the one thing that I want out of guys like Debo is consistency. And I mean that in a weird way because I understand he's been great. But by him being great, it's like it's like this one week he goes for 200. Next week, he has like 77. Next week, he goes like 178. And I'm like, whoa, like this guy's going crazy. But it's just it's just a matter of staying consistent with that. And I think that's just going to come down to, you know, whoever comes in at quarterback later down the stretch. Right. I mean, he's looked phenomenal, honestly, this season. I didn't expect him to take this much big, big of a leap, um, you know. The one other positive from this game was that Brandon Ayuk was more involved in the offense, and we've been calling for that for God knows how long. I mean, I mean, still mediocre <laughs> stat line, four year, four catches for 45 yards, but it was glad to see that it was. I was glad to see that he was being targeted in the game. That gives me a little bit more confidence. Um, but now I think this is a really t- a time to see if they can turn the momentum. And you know, they're only half a game behind the wild card in the playoffs right now, uh, yeah. behind Minnesota. So if they can start winning some games, especially these next three weeks, if, if they really, I honestly, I'm going to say this is a must win game for them this week. If they want to make the playoffs um, against the banged up Cardinals team, you have to win. Uh, it's just, you know, it, it, they need to do it. And Elijah Mitchell honestly has looked phenomenal in the run game. So if they can keep capitalizing on him going forward, it's going to be very, very good for this team. And Jimmy doesn't even need to play that great. Honestly, I really don't think he needs to play that great. He doesn't even make, the mistakes that we see him make all the time. And he honestly, he didn't do it in last week's game. So 
props to him. But that's the thing, though. He's never he's never had to be that guy. Like that's what I'm saying. And when he's forced in the spotlight, he doesn't show up. That's why that's where critiquing comes in. Of he is not a good quarterback. Yeah. Um, but you know, something that was very very interesting was that if the 49ers do start, you know, kind of losing games here and there, Trey Lance could just pop into the picture sooner than later. So that's something to definitely keep an eye on um, down the stretch. But I guess, you know, staying within the division, a uh, team that I really want to get to is the Seahawks. Uh, Russell Wilson did get his pin removed from his finger. So he is targeting a return in week 10 after their week nine bye uh, against my Packers. Um, I don't, I honestly don't have way too much to say on the Seahawks. I still think that they're a work in progress. And even with Wilson back in screen, like I'm already going to call right now, like Green, Green Bay is going to win that game. The Seahawks don't perform well in, in Green Bay. Like, we, it's a known thing. I mean, Rodgers just has his way against them at home. Um, and, you know, especially with the temperatures dropping as well. Like, I don't, I don't trust the Seahawks team to come in there with Wilson back in the lineup. I totally get it. But one thing that was very, very interesting that I was kind of talking about, you know, before the podcast was that the New Orleans Saints were among several teams that called Seattle in regards to the availability of Russell Wilson. And it was more of like, hey, is he going to be available? Will he be available? And if so, like, what's what's the price? What's it going to take to get him out of Seattle? So I think that was that was very, very, very interesting. And given that the fact that the Saints have been dipping their their kind of what is it, I guess, like toes in the water everywhere with, you know, Odell and now Russell Wilson, like they're kind of shooting for the moon, but they're really not landing amongst the stars, if you know what I'm saying. Right, right. I mean, you know, if you're a Saints fan, it's nice to see some aggressiveness from the front office, at least at least calling about it, you know, maybe they don't mm-hmm. offer, but it's nice to see your front office doing that and just trying to build up your team. But regards to the Russell Wilson news, I feel like, you know, we've been talking about this since last offseason, how he was unhappy, whatever it was, they squashed it. I don't, I don't know if they squashed, maybe they didn't solve it. But now that the team doesn't look like they're going to make the playoffs, I mean, you know, they might pull something like maybe, you know, like what the night I'm hoping the Niners do catch fire with a couple of games, you know, build that momentum now that maybe if Wilson comes back by week 10, I could see that happening. But this team hasn't really showed me enough, you know, other than Russell Wilson that I believe that I want to believe that they're a playoff team, you know, so we could very well be talking about Russell Wilson in the in the offseason moving teams jump and shift. We talked about about, about that last offseason and yeah. that discussion could come up again. Um, and this just shows that, you know, no one is safe, especially in the NFL trade deadline and <laughs> the Saints are, yeah. you know? Yeah, no, I mean, the thing, the thing about Russell Wilson too, is that I think we, we spoke about this on a previous podcast. I can't remember. I want to say it was, it was definitely within the past month though, that I was mentioning something like, you know, there are a lot of reports saying that Russell Wilson could go on an Aaron Rodgers type, you know? media run this offseason if that kind of makes sense even though he already had his weird stint Aaron Rodgers and Deshaun Watson he was kind of just overpowered everything and then Wilson got washed under but now I genuinely do believe that Aaron Rodgers stuff is just boom like gone out the door like no one cares anymore and he's really happy he said it himself he said I'm having so much fun with this football team they've won seven straight they now get a matchup against the Kansas City Chiefs who are the defending AFC champions champions and um they're four and four, which is crazy. They're back to 0.500, which is just insane to think about. And this is the first installation of Aaron Rodgers versus Patrick Mahomes. And even though as a Packer fan, I do feel a little bit of like, oh, you know, no game is easy because it's Patrick Mahomes. 
but the Chiefs just look so bad. Like, like that's why I was, you know, kind of relating it to Seahawks. Like, both of these defenses are so, so bad that the Packers in the next two weeks, I genuinely believe that Aaron Rodgers is going to just absolutely tear apart these secondaries in the next two weeks. Like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna say his base is six touchdowns the next two games, six or seven touchdowns the next two games. So like a four and three split, possibly more. No, that's definitely a fair assessment. I think that's very possible as well. It's just the Chiefs just haven't looked like the Chiefs, honestly. Patrick Mahomes hasn't looked like himself. Travis Kelsey hasn't looked like himself. I, I feel like he what he was he had like was targeted five times last season, which is like a season low. You know, he had a career low in catches as well. Um, so it's just very weird because the Chiefs offense just seems to be about force feeding Tyreek Hill. Every time I see them play, they're just throwing screens to Tyreek, running a slant right for Tyreek. You know, their run game isn't very good. You know, I, ever since Clyde Edwards Hilaire has gone down, it's been even worse than it usually is. And Clyde, no, no disrespect to Hilaire, but he just hasn't been the back for them when they picked him up in the draft last year. Uh, you know, I think obviously we know the problems with the secondary. They're they're one of the I think they're the worst defense in the league right now. They give them most yards, a lot of turnovers. And last night's game against the Giants, you know, the Giants whose offense is with freaking Daniel Jones at the starting quarterback. You know, the the spread for the game was Chiefs minus ten. They were expected to win by a touchdown or more. You know, it's absurd. Two touchdowns, and this team barely won. I was watching the game. I was like, they might possibly lose this. You know, but the Giants are just that struggling of a team where the Chiefs gave them, gave them so many penalties and they still ended up winning. But that, if, if I'm a Chiefs fan, I'm concerned about that. You know, like we have so many penalties, a team like this is an Andy Reid coach team. You should not be this, you know, undisciplined, even as a defense. Um, and I think it's just very concerning as a Chiefs fan. So I fully expect Aaron Rodgers to just dismantle the defense and Patrick Mahomes to maybe, maybe even throw a couple of picks because he's thrown one for the last seven games, I believe. And I mean, if you include last season, it's going back to his last 15 or 16 starts now. He's done at least one turnover. Yeah, it's it's it's, it's a streak. It's a streak going yeah. back to last year. And, I, and I, I know that people hate it, and I get it. It's not very an accurate representation because it's all these, like, batted up balls and whatever it is. But at the end of the day, when when you're making your case, you know, a turnover is a turnover. Like, that's, that's just the reality of it. That's what shows up on the stat sheet. Regard whether whether we like it or not, I don't I don't care what's happening. If if it's Tyree Kill fumbling the ball or Patrick Mahomes throwing it and it gets tipped up like 20 feet in the air, doesn't matter if the other team gets the ball, the other team gets the ball. I mean, he knows he hasn't been playing well. Like he he had an interview where he's like, you know, it's been rainbow and roses for the last couple of seasons, but these are the seasons where you know it happens to everyone. There's growing pain. Yeah. You know, as good as you are, Patrick Mahomes might as well, you know, maybe a first ballot hall of famer, even at this early stage in his career. But everyone has these growing pains, and I think he's really experiencing them now. But it's going to be interesting to see. The Chiefs might not even make the playoffs this year, which would be astounding. Because I mean, a lot, yeah. a lot of people had them going back to the Super Bowl for, what was it, the third straight year? Yeah. So, you know, it's something to watch out before. But for this matchup, you know, I'm taking going Packers all the way. I mean, speaking of, you know, going somewhere for the third straight year, I think that I, I, can, I can honestly book Green Bay's ticket to the championship game for the third straight year. And I – I'm so tempted to like, you know, just, just go out there and just, I just want to say it like, like this team looks freaking amazing. You know, I've, I've long advocated for in terms of like doing my job as a sports journalist. And I don't, I don't know if you saw, like, I, I basically picked against green Bay in the Cardinals game. You I mean, you can't blame me. They're down their top three wide receivers. We didn't have our top two linebackers and our top two cornerbacks. 
down 11 total starters on the team. And yet, you know, we beat the Cardinals. I just think that even if we lost that game, though, just to get the Cardinals in a one possession game, like in prime time at their home turf, like it was just a very telling game to see like this team has fight in them. And that's something that I love to see, especially from the defense. So I'm looking at their schedule right now, and I'm just going to read this out to you and just, you know, let me know, let me know any discrepancies, but at least from what we've talked about, they got the chiefs then they're at home against the Seahawks. Then they go on the road to the Vikings at home against the Rams at home against the bears on the road against Baltimore at home against the Browns at home against the Vikings, then on the road in Detroit. That's looking very favorable, especially within the division. They got one, two, three, four games in the division left. So I think they're, probably going to win all those the browns just look like an absolute mess that's going to be on christmas day which is which looks great for green bay i can honestly see seven wins in their remaining games which is which is huge yeah i think it's i don't know about seven just because i think divisional games are just so toss-up sometimes but i could definitely see like five to six games for sure i just think maybe the ravens game and the rams game might be a couple of trap games for the packers because those are still very good teams perhaps yeah um, no, and I think they might lose one random game to like some like the Bears or the Vikings, just at, like based on divisional games. But I think they're still going to end up winning their division for sure. And I think they're going to be very. I think I would predict them to be like a two seed, just because I think that the Rams schedule is very favorable as well. So mm-hmm. um, it would be interesting to see. But I would not be surprised as well to see this team in the NFC Championship again. And you know, maybe Aaron Rodgers breaks out of that shell that he has been out of for the last what. What, the last time they won Super Bowl was 2010, 2011. Yeah. Um, so can you finally get over that hump, which it feels like it's been forever? And in his mm-hmm. last season in Green Bay, you know? I mean, yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I'm fine with that. You know, third time's a charm. Go ahead, win a ring. Jump ship. Yeah. I'm, I'm totally okay with that. Go out, go out <laughs> the sunset, bro. Like, you, exactly. You know, if, you, if you have to leave, make the Packers fans happy and win a chip before you leave. Exactly, so, exactly. I mean, leave, leave, on a, leave on a great note. But um, I think the last kind of thing that we wanted to talk about was some of the upsets this past weekend. Um, the Steelers beating the Browns. That actually drops the Browns, I believe, to the bottom spot in the division. And now we got the Bengals who lost to the Jets, which is absolutely absurd. Now they've dropped to the second spot in the division, which gives the Ravens a number one spot temporarily, once again, because they were on the bye. Um, they got a matchup against the Vikings at home, though. And I feel like we know how that's kind of going to end. I'm, I'm personally going to take the Ravens. You know, they're well-rested. Coming off a of bye, the Vikings just look absolutely horrible right now. Yeah, I mean, it's shocking because I picked the Browns to win the division. I remember, when, especially when all the running back and defensive injuries were happening for the Ravens. I'm like, this team probably will make the playoffs, but I don't think they're going to win the division because I just thought that – Top to bottom, the Browns had so many acquisitions in the offseason as well on their defense, where I was like, you know, their offense is stacked. They have Odell, Jarvis, you know, the two-headed monster running back, Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb. And, you know, Baker, who, had, you know, I still think he's a pretty good quarterback, maybe not as elite as, you know, maybe I thought he was in the offseason. Um, but now it just looks like they're really struggling, even offensively, ever since, you know, Kareem Hunt has been hurt as well. And defensively, they just haven't looked that good. And losing to the Steelers, like, honestly, like, I know it's a divisional game, but it's telling for a team. So, you know, the Ravens look poised to win the division now. I don't know if the Browns can make some, like, midseason, you know, huge change and just start winning a bunch of games in a row. It could happen. They're talented enough to make it happen, but I just don't see it. 
But uh, yeah, that Bengals-Jets game was crazy. You know, like the spread for the Bengals, again, was like a minus 11 and a half. And it just shows, yeah. you know, don't bet on these big spreads if you're a better. Like, <laughs> especially in like these kind of games, you know, a young team, it could always happen. Um, but I mean, I like I said, I still don't buy the Bengals as like this big contender. Like, yeah, they might be going to the playoffs, but it's losses like this where you're like, you, you it really shows the true like core of the team. Like they're a very young team. They might be good in like two, three years as a contender, but right now I just don't see it regardless of how good they've been uh, the first half of the season. Yeah. I think that the Bengals actually have a really, really tough schedule other than the 49ers at home and the Broncos on the road in back-to-back weeks. They have the Browns this week. Then they got the Raiders, the Steelers, the Chargers, um, then it's that Niners Broncos back to back. And then they got the Ravens, the chiefs and the Browns. So that's how they close up the season. So I think that this team can genuinely sweep the Browns. They already beat the Steelers once. I don't know if, you know, like the chargers game, the Raiders game, the chiefs game, the Ravens game, like all those are literally toss up, which is very scary because they all are AFC matchups as well. And keep in mind, you know, like how you were saying that we don't know if the Chiefs are going to make the playoffs. The Chiefs, Chargers, and Raiders, like those three teams are, are literally competing for a spot in the playoffs in the AFC West. So they, I mean, they, they're they going to be facing like a really, really tough test when the season comes down definitely. the stretch. I think it, it'll, it'll definitely come down to the last half of the season. I feel like the Ravens might edge it out. But, you know, the AFC West, like Chiefs, Chargers, Raiders, those three, three teams, like might I say it as bad as the Chiefs would look, those two teams couldn't all make the playoffs if possible. You know, we were talking about the NFC West being that kind of thing, but honestly, the AFC yeah. West looked a lot better. But, uh, I mean, the Raiders kind of look in shambles right now, especially with the news of rugs. Oh, yeah. Another blow. No. I mean, that's just – it's it's ridiculous. I honestly don't know what's going to kind of um, unfold from that. But it's just it just sometimes puts things into perspective. Like, I'm like, I'm like, dude, you're 22. Like, what are you doing driving drunk, like, in Vegas? And, of course, like – What's crazy is that like I mean someone died, like literally someone died. So like I I don't know what to say. I think that this this is what the stupid part about sports is that you know money talks, and I don't know if the lawyers are gonna I guess find a way to you know kind of get away with this for rugs and I don't know because like the Raiders have had a very very of course tough stretch this year. How you you know you were just mentioning that that there's already so much like that we don't know that's going on behind closed doors. And I just feel this makes the organization so much more dirtier. And this is the last thing that they need. No, I mean, the Raiders have always kind of been like that kind of team. I remember Ashwin was like saying it a couple of podcasts ago, like they've always been like the bad boys of the league, you know, mm-hmm. they've, had, they've, had, they've always had legal issues, but it's just really sad. You know, 22 years old, you're throwing away your career. Um, you know, the lawyers did say they're waiting for like a blood test to see his blood alcohol content um, because they're yeah. saying that he wasn't impaired. He was just shocked from the crash. So I don't know the full story. It's just very early with all these details coming out, but it doesn't look good for rugs. I think, it, you know, if, if it, if he's charged, his career's for sure done. And uh, it's sad because he had so much potential, but we'll, we'll see as, as the story develops, but for the Raiders team, team perspective wise, just, you've just had so many problems like John Gruden, like now this, like, you know, like yeah. Darren Waller's getting hurt. You know, there's a lot of yeah. like, problems as good as Derek Carr has looked. Just go, yeah, it's just it's just a very interesting story with the Raiders and just you know dumpster fire, honestly. No, certainly. And I think that what's like what's pretty like ridiculous is that 
I think that Derek Carr recently in an interview, he said something like, oh, like it's, it's Raider for life. Like that's it. Like he said, if they don't want me here, like I'll, I'll retire. Like he genuinely wants to be a Raider for life. But like, if I'm him, like, like going through all this stuff, like everything he's been through with the Raiders, like, I mean, he deserves better. I feel like he is still a great quarterback. If he goes to a place that, you know, has weapons, like, like, I'm mean, a, dare I say it, like, imagine if he was on the Vikings, you know, with like Adam Thielen, Justin Jefferson, like he's a much more poised quarterback than Kirk Cousins at times. And I mean, more often than not. So it kind of just puts things into perspective, like the off season in perspective. We don't know what's going to go on in green Bay if Rogers jump ship. Don't know what's going to happen in Seattle. Saints could be an opening. So, I mean, there's just so many, so many options that I'm just like, you know, well, why, why do you want to stay in like Las Vegas for God's sakes? Like, I mean, it's, it's ridiculous. It seems like such a, such a um, immature like place to be in a franchise to be a part of right now. So. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Last Las Vegas seems like, you know, just struggles with sports teams. Honestly, I feel like there's always been conversations about how like, you know, the Vegas should never have a sports team just because of like the culture there. Um, and, you know, young athletes, a lot of money, like, you know, you don't want to be in circumstances like where rugs is and like mm-hmm. have to make that kind of situation. But regarding the car, like we talked about that a couple of podcasts ago, like he can easily jump ship if he wants to, like he's, he's a good enough quarterback where a lot of teams would line up for him. And I think if the dysfunctionality continues that, opinion of his that he you know wants to be a Raider for life might change that just might all be talk but we'll, we'll, yeah. see, we'll see in the offseason with a lot of like moving pieces no most certainly and I think that wow I mean we, we ran definitely longer than I expected um on this podcast I, I thought I thought it was just gonna be you know like you know just the two of us just spitballing back and forth but it that's the thing about you know when I guess when we both got like a lot of things to say not a lot of knowledge to spit so hopefully you know if you guys are still listening to this you know Shout out to you. Um, <laughs> obviously, you know, big, big stuff coming this week. Um, we're going to start getting more consistent with the obviously NFL podcast every Tuesday um, and NBA podcast going to be every Thursday or Friday um, with Yash. So definitely stay tuned for that. Um, some great stuff. And of course, you know, we will be having a guest um, as the playoff picture, you know, starts taking up shape much more, but you know, any, any, any closing thoughts, Rohan? Yeah. I mean, it's just uh you know, we've passed the halfway point of the season, sort of, I guess, week eight, week nine. So week nine's coming up, a lot of moving pieces. You know, I think we're, we're really trying to, we're really starting to see who the true contenders are this year. And that's going to be interesting. But uh, just praying for no more injuries. That's what I'm hoping for. Yeah, I mean, honestly, at, the, at this point in time, like, it's tough. It's tough. A lot, lot of injuries, but I guess that's what makes the comeback even, even better down the stretch. But, you know, that's all that we got for you guys today on this massive trade deadline mailbag i guess um but yeah stay tuned for more at the fanwas.pod sharma machandran signing off with rohan naraj